Coming up on Podcast 1900, Tesla slashes Model 3 inventory prices, the bi-directional EV9 from Kia, and Peugeot's E3008 specs. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer, Matthew Long, signing up to get his name in the show notes on the website at evnewsdaily.com and, of course, support the work that we do here, spreading the word about electric vehicles every day, far and wide. Matthew Long, you are a legend, sir. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information. Midweek, Wednesday, 13th of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. I'm here to save you time. Now, this show does go live at 5 p.m. UK midday Eastern, but Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready, much earlier in the day and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on that link you'll see just in the show notes. We'll start with news of the Fiat 600e. And Stellantis has initiated production of the all-electric vehicle at their facility in Poland. The first unit was one of the high-spec La Prima editions, manufactured last week, actually. In Germany, the base model goes on sale at 36,490. La Prima is 42,490. UK pricing not confirmed. Somewhere between 36 and 37 it would start at, I imagine. The Polish plant by Stellantis has been making the all-electric Jeep Avenger. I would say the cousin car, sister car, if you want, to the Fiat 600e. Fiat 500e, obviously, is the smaller city car. You know the 500. This is the bigger, more family version of, I would say, that. It has the, very much the same styling as the Fiat 500e, or just a little bit jacked up and pumped up. And I really love the look at it, particularly the headlight, the headlights, which look like a pair of eyes, kind of half-closed or frowning at you or something, but it's got loads of personality. And that car is now in production. A car that's not yet in production but will be soon is the Peugeot E3008. Not just a revamped version of that badge, but an all-new version of that car built on the Stellantis STLA Medium platform. First car coming out on that platform, actually. Designed for versatility with a flat battery pack, skateboard design, two battery options. The bigger one, though, is 435 miles of range. Now, we don't know the battery size. They haven't told us. They've just said the WLTP, European Test Cycle Range, 435 miles. That's deeply impressive, even with good efficiency. So that's a 100-kilowatt-hour pack, surely, isn't it? Power varies from uh, 213 horsepower on the standard to 326 horsepower in the dual all-wheel drive variant. It's the inside where the Peugeot has kind of moved in its own direction, really, actually, with their own styling, their own tech uh, from their sister cars, their cousin cars, whatever you want to call it. Uh, The 21-inch widescreen display is really impressive for a car of this price point, of this class. It curves across the dashboard. There's the windscreen projected data as well. And you get 10 adaptable eye toggles. So you've got the information that you need, line of of sight as well. Uh, That goes into production early 24 for a UK release not long after. I think that vehicle for families is going to be a very, very popular choice of people that have maybe owned Peugeots before that are shopping perhaps a little more on price rather than the badge. Hopefully I don't offend any Peugeot owners or anyone who works there when I say that. But you know what I mean, that it's a... It's more, it's more of a, a buyer that looks to get great value out of their purchases, probably a family buyer as well. Maybe some fleets in there, I imagine. Now, 
Let's get on to Tesla. Dominating the European Union's latest EV infrastructure funding. The EU earmarked €352 million Euros for EV infrastructure to add 12,000 charge points across the member states. Turns out, I've got some data here that shows Tesla is the primary beneficiary, securing a pretty substantial 148.7 million, about 40% of the total going to Tesla alone. The grant enables Tesla to establish 7,198 high-powered DC fast charges at 22 countries, 687 sites. It's actually 42% of the total funding that went to Tesla, underscoring their significant role in the EV charging landscape. The investment not only supports new superchargers, but will fund upgrading V2s to V3s as well. Tesla, whatever you think about them, are really, really good at identifying these little pots of money, whether it's in the US or China or Canada or, or the uh, Canada as well, yeah, but the the EU, and, and accessing them and actually normally doing better than anybody else at getting those subsidies and and hunting out that that money that's out there, but fair play to them. Now, let's talk about the inventory models of the uh, Model 3. Tesla slashing prices there ahead of what you would presume is the refresh Highland going on sale. Tesla gearing up in North America for the release of the refreshed Model 3, and we think they're doing that by cutting prices on new inventory. So when I say inventory, I don't mean nearly new uh, or used. These are new vehicles, but they're ready-made. They're ready to go. And in the US, uh, take Florida, for an example, uh, because the state by state, Tesla do adjust their pricing. Never used to, actually. It's, uh, it's something they've got a little bit better over the years at just identifying where those vehicles are based or maybe where they are or they can get to them quickly and just... Small adjustments. It's never a wild swing. But in Florida, a rear-wheel drive Model 3 inventory, 36,220 before incentives. Uh, similarly, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, in places like Colorado, starts about $37,000. An added bonus is the eligibility of the $7,500 federal tax credit. Now, the new Highland Model 3 refresh is already making waves. It's available to order in countries from Australia to Europe. Not here in the UK. Still can't uh, spec one of those. You can only sign up to the waiting list. Uh, German enthusiasts can get the rear-wheel drive Model 3 Highland for 42990 That's euros, of course. All-wheel drive, dual motor, not the performance, 51990 Now... We know some more details about the Model 3 Highland, at least in China, thanks to the filings that have to be made, and those filings get made public, available to public consultation, I think they say. So it's great we get some details that perhaps Tesla don't always want to share. We know that the rear-wheel drive single-motor variant has a 194-kilowatt motor and 137-kilowatt motor on the front axle gets added for the dual motor. We know that CATL supplies the lithium-ion phosphate batteries for the single-motor. Model 3 refresh. Uh, the dual motor uses NMC cells from LG. The exact battery capacities, though, were not listed in this filing that I was able to get access to. So the one thing that I'd love to tell you is the kilowatt hours, but I don't know that. Single motor model was listed as Tesla Model 3. That was the name. The dual motor, because there's no performance variant, dual motor 
was labelled as Tesla Model 3 Plus. Not the word P-L-U-S, but the symbol. Well, Tesla's Chinese website indicates the discontinuation of the performance version and simply having the rear-wheel drive single motor or dual-motor long-range variant for sale. Now, uh, the reviews are coming in of Kia's EV9 from the US websites. Now, that vehicle's been out over here for a, a you know a little while, available to order and test drives, but it seems that perhaps an embargo lifted, maybe, because I saw a couple of reviews coming out around a similar time of the EV9. Autoblog got their hands on one. They said that in North America, it will launch by the end of 2023 with five trims. Pricing still under wraps from my US listeners, so I can't share that because I don't know. The base model is the light model, 76.1 kilowatt hour battery, range 223 miles, 0 to 60 miles an hour, 7.7 seconds. The light long range then adds the big battery for 300 miles, but a little slower acceleration for some reason. I uh, added weight, you would think. The wind trim is all-wheel drive and a feature on-demand boost option, which enhances the torque, but not the actual horsepower. The land trim matches the wind in power, but offers uh, better range because of the 20-inch wheels. And if you want to go for the 21-inch wheels, you go for the premium GT line, and that will drop you down to 243 miles of range, uh, but 5 seconds, not to 60, in a very, very big three-row vehicle. Now, the charging of the EV9 is where things get a bit spicy because it's built on that eGMP platform. So 80% reached in 24 minutes on the big battery, which is very impressive. Luxury features also include a power recliner footrest, massage functions in the front seats, the second row chairs. Now, on the European spec, and I imagine maybe the Korean spec as well, uh, those second rows are swiveling captain's chairs whereas in for some reason the north american spec they don't swivel or turn it's a real shame isn't it because actually for access to even turn it around put a baby seat in that kind of thing it's a really useful function but they are heated and they are massage features as well on those initially made in korea the ev9 won't qualify for full u.s tax incentives once production shifts to kia's georgia plants then they will be eligible is that a deal breaker for you you do you need the incentives to get the kia uh, ev9 which looks again i think very very impressive uh, on uh, on all counts really just the the space inside it being a three row having those two batteries options. I didn't tell you the big battery pack, did I? Small battery pack, 76.1 kilowatt hour. The long range versions, 99.8 kilowatt hour. I think those are usable capacities. I think. Double check on that. All right, we'll take a quick break on the podcast. And when we come back, got some more Kia EV news actually about how uh, there's bi-directional functionality of this even more so than the other EGMP platform cars. Plus, we will talk about why EV prices are dropping in the US and a new acceleration world record, and you guessed it, has been set by an electric vehicle. Those stories are more coming up. Stick around. Okay, well, if you just heard a couple of ads, maybe one, maybe two adverts, and you'd like to strip them out, 
because you like your podcast ad-free. You can do that. It's one of the perks of being a Patreon supporter. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash EV News Daily. It's how I earn a living now since I backed off my other work. And if you want to support the show, you can do that. Spread the word about EVs to the rest of the world. And obviously, you know, this is episode 1900. I never, uh, you know, 1,900 episodes ago, didn't think about doing the podcast five years later. Uh, but that's it's where we are. Uh, I and ended up quitting my career to do this and to spread the word and to, well, just try and just nudge everybody a little bit towards these fantastic cars and, uh, you know, get rid of some of the FUD that's out there, promote the benefits of electric vehicles, and hopefully uh, leave the world a little bit of a better place when I eventually shuffle off it. Now, let's talk a little bit about more about the uh, Kia EV9. Well, Wallbox, the maker of electric vehicle charging equipment, recently spotlighted their Quasar 2 EV charger. Now, I came across this video online, and this was done alongside Kia. It's an 11.5 kilowatt charger, I don't know how that would go down well in the UK because um, what would that mean? So that we're on a 240 volt supply, 245 if you're chunky on your voltage at home. So that's going to be at least a 50 amp supply. Can that be done? I've got a 32 amp supply coming off my main board for my 7 kilowatt Zappy 2. But if I had the option of getting this Wallbox Quasar 2 and maybe an upgrade to my home electrics or something, or maybe I could do that, I don't know. I would jump at the chance. Doesn't mean I don't like my love my Zappy. My uh, my energy products are very good. But if I had a Kia EV9, I would swap it out in a heartbeat for this Wallbox Quasar 2. 11.5 kilowatt charger. The plug on the end of it is not just your typical AC type 2 plug, but it's it's a, it's the one with the two DC pins as well, CCS2 plug. Launched uh, back in January, this charger now works with the Kia EV9, one of the first vehicles that you can really make the most of it from. And so in the video, they show it being used where the car is on charge, uh, but then they turn off the breaker to the power supply. They've sort of mimicked a home thing. And it flicks over to from charging the car to charging the, the home, if you like, or running the home. They have a, a fan, a couple of little fan heaters. They have a, a microwave on a desk and some other things as well. Now, unfortunately, they zoomed in on the charger when they cut the power to the sort of mock home. So I could hear the fan in the background stop, and it was about 10 to 15 seconds. So if you're thinking here that it's, you know, it's milliseconds, you know, like a, a home inverter that has, or a Tesla Powerwall that has that backup system, it, it cuts over so quickly that all your computer equipment stays on, etc. It's not this. I think I heard the fan stop for maybe 10 or 15 seconds. The car obviously stops charging. The wall box says, okay, power cut. Let's take power from the vehicle. But then it starts running the household. Now, I don't know. I couldn't find out the peak power. Um, I saw that on the little display they had, it was pulling about two and a half kilowatts from the car. I imagine it would do a little bit more, but not a huge amount more. Again, it's built on a platform like the, the Hyundai Ioniqs and the Kia EV6s, etc., where they've got plug sockets on. It's got vehicle to load. This is proper vehicle to home. It'll do vehicle to grid, but that does depend on your electricity operator having that in place because that's a whole different kettle of fish. But 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 supplying the home, absolutely fine to do. 800 volts, EGMP platform, 100 kilowatt hour battery, loads of energy storage if this if your Kia EV9 is full. It would run your house for days and days, wouldn't it, if you cut back on just to the essentials. And they also talked about how you can get involved in 
charging your car overnight and then running your house during the day and during peak periods as well to save money and and even get involved, like I say, depending on where you live around the world, vehicle to grid in terms of actually energy trading. So charging your car overnight and then going back to the grid making some money. Octopus do that, for instance, here in the UK. So that's really interesting. Been on the website, Wallbox Quasar 2 doesn't look available here in the UK at the moment. It just simply said sign up for updates. But again, I'll keep an eye on where that is available because it looks like with cars like the Kia EV9, that dream of vehicle to home finally coming a, becoming a reality. Uh, VW were said to be doing that last summer, I think. It was meant to be Q3 of last year on the big battery ID vehicles. And we're a year later now, and VW have gone absolutely stum on that that, uh, that ability. They, did, they haven't announced what partners they're working with in various countries. I've got some ideas about what charging companies around the world could be making those boxes, for instance. But this is meant to be on the VW cars a year ago. And they've just gone absolutely silent on it. I imagine it's fabulously difficult, so I'm not giving them a hard time. But hey, Wallbox Kia, well done. I want this right now. I want to play with these toys. Let's move on. BMW, Ford and Honda are launching a new company called Chargescape. I don't really know what this is because the press release is word soup. More word soup than nearly all press releases. Now, uh, if you don't have to decode press releases for a living, and I unfortunately do, uh, they are written in a certain style that makes me wonder, who on earth are these people that write them? Can you please just give us the information we need and we'll write articles and website articles, etc., because (laughs) they are a law unto themselves. But this one in particular is just a mishmash of current buzzwords and phrases. I'll try and decode what Chargescape is. Just, just, just they'd say what it is. It's not a charging company in terms of not putting chargers in the ground. They say that these three companies, BMW, Ford, Honda, have joined forces. It's an innovative venture to revolutionise EV charging by creating a unified platform to connect electric utilities, automakers and EV enthusiasts. I think that just means people like you and I that own cars. Building on the foundation of cross-industry collaboration, Chargescape will simplify integrations between car brands and utilities to grant access to a diverse pool of EV battery energy. What the hell does that mean? Furthermore, EV users can amplify their grid contribution by sharing battery energy, leveraging V2G, intelligent approach, harness automakers' telematics to manage charge schedules. What I think they're talking about here is BMW, Ford and Honda. Jeepers, I just, they need to get some new people to, to communicate what they're doing here. Uh, what I think they're doing is getting together to say the BMW, Ford and Honda will behave in a common set of ways or protocols so that all the different utilities around the world... Now, here we have one national grid. Many countries have one national grid. The US has a patchwork of things, for instance, and supplying electricity. So BMW, Ford and Honda will say, we are going to report our telematics, our cars will work with V2H and V2G in a common set of ways and talk in a common set of languages that means if utilities want to take energy from the cars, trade that energy, charge them overnight, sell back to the grid during the you know peak times so that pay, perhaps the car companies can make a little bit of money, the owners of those cars will certainly make the lion's share of that money. That can all be done in a way that is more seamless than trying to get every utility in the, in the world talking to every car company in the world. Let's just have a common set of ways of talking. 
I think that's it. It seems like a good idea, but holy moly. <laughs> this could have been but this could have been written better. Let's talk a little bit about an interesting story next. Last month in August, the average transaction price for new vehicles in America witnessed an uptick of about $42 on the previous year. didn't really matter. Uh, but it's, it's basically flat. So if you're buying a new car in August last year or a new car August this year, you're paying about the same. EV market was a different story, though. Driven by Tesla's price cuts, EV prices were down 19% month on, so year over year on the same month. Average price of buying an EV this time last year was sixty-five grand. Now it's fifty-three thousand dollars. The trend is emphasised by the fact that the average EV price in August uh, dropped again from July. So they are continuing to go down. Incentives are also on the rise now, accounting for five percent of the average transaction price of an EV, up from two point three percent a year ago. And by the start of the month of September, the availability of electric vehicles. The way the industry does it is they measure days of supply. The average days of supply of EVs exceeded the industry average. And this is down to a surge in production and availability. That indicates that dealers are well, grappling more with oversupply than a demand shortage. Lots of people want EVs. In fact, more and more people than ever, we know from all the research, are interested in buying an EV. And more people are. It's just that the car companies finally got to grips with making them. And so that's fantastic news to have an oversupply drives down prices. Not great if you're selling one right now, like I want to sell my MG uh, this month. So hey, not great, but uh, not great for dealers, perhaps looking at making more margins, but great for buyers. And as the EV market matures and becomes just a bit more sensible, because the EV market's been a bit frothy, this surplus of supply with increasing competition will push, push prices lower. That's good for the consumer, which ultimately is what I'm concerned about. Uh, I don't lose too much you know, sleep on the car makers themselves making more money, but I want the consumer to get a good deal at the end. Have a great choice at the end of the day as well. Right, a few more stories to get. Quite a few more stories to get to. I know we're running a little bit long today. Um, Swiss students have broken the EV acceleration world record, accelerating 0 to 62 miles an hour in less than one second. It's a hand-built vehicle, weighs 140 kilograms, 321 brake horsepower and it uses a suction mechanism like a vacuum cleaner to hold the vehicle down anchors the car to the ground with a about 2g of acceleration it's about uh, similar forces to what an astronaut might experience for instance so i wouldn't uh, wouldn't want to be the driver of that but deeply impressive that they can get a, a vehicle to go not to 60 in less than not 62 miles an hour not 100 k's in less than one second now, the UK's industry minister has raised alarms over China's dominance of the EV market. If the European Union fails to resolve their post-Brexit trade dispute, I've mentioned this a couple of times, I'm keeping my eye on it. At the minute, on January 1st, there'll be a 10% tariff levied on anything between the UK and the EU that's traded. Now, at the minute, that's waived. It's all to do with the rules of origin criteria. At the minute, 70% of an EV's battery can be imported from China. Well, outside the EU, so that means China, right? And without tariffs. However, it will sharply decrease on January the 1st, and that'll mean a 10% charge on vehicles uh, traded between the UK and the EU. There's plenty of car makers that will not want to see those. I hope that gets resolved. Otherwise, things are going to get expensive here and in the EU. 
Mercedes-Benz rolling out their first all-electric panel van for the North American market. The e-Sprinter starts at $71,886, 170-inch wheelbase, high-roof configuration, 113-kilowatt-hour lithium-ion phosphate battery, 250 miles of range on that. The smaller Mercedes-Benz van, the e-Citan, more like a uh, you know, a panel car, if you like, a sort of a, a smaller van. In the UK, that's got its pricing of £33,995. Uh, that's pretty expensive for what you get. A 90-kilowatt motor, 122 brake horsepower, and a 45-kilowatt-hour battery. That is not that great for thirty-four grand for a commercial vehicle. But if you don't need the range, uh, you can take advantage of that. It comes with... A three-year subscription to Mercedes Me, which is the app, and that's how you do all the things like preconditioning to allow you to precondition the, uh, the the cabin, to heat it, to cool it. Only when it's plugged in, though, and you only get three years of that before you got to start paying for the app. And that seems Mercedes like it's a little tight-fisted, if you ask me. 22 kilowatt AC charging is standard, and that's really, really good. Right, two more China stories, and Xpeng is gearing up for the launch of their MPV, the X9, in the same regulatory filing that I mentioned all those minutes ago on this podcast with Tesla Model 3. Same filing, I can see some Xpeng X9 data here. Uh, two versions of this, single motor or dual motor on the MPV, and this looks like it's going to have lithium-ion phosphate cells from EVE Energy for the single motor version, and the dual motor gets NMC cells from CALB. It's a seven-seater, big people carrier, MPV, whatever you want to call it. Be on the market by the end of the year. And I don't know if that will ever come to Western markets. A car that doesn't, it's a shame, the ID6. We don't get the ID6 anywhere. It's a Chinese-only vehicle. Uh, the ID6 Cross is about $35,000 equivalent. And there's a new version. Out- exterior looks about the same, but the 2024 model year made by FAWVW, the joint venture they have alongside the ID4 Cross. Uh, there's also the ID4X and ID6X. Same vehicle, but made by the other joint venture in China that uh, Volkswagen have. 12 inch central screen. Uh, AR head-up display, all very VW ID-ish, and various seating configurations. It's a three-rower, so I think it would go down very well in Europe and North America if they sold it here, uh, but they don't. But they do in China, and I wish they would here, because it's actually a pretty useful family vehicle. And that's your podcast for today. Our premium partners are Phil Roberts of Electric Future at EF.Energy, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East. National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii. Derek Riley's uh, Nevo.ie channel and Nevo EV Review Island on YouTube. Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one map and one app. And least plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.